then you have to work a little bit harder this morning just to make sure I'm being faithful to those, those couple of texts I, uh, I bounce off. Why don't I pray and then we'll begin. Lord Jesus, we praise you for who you are, your identity, the word become flesh, the image of the invisible God, the righteousness of God. We pray that your identity might be before us this day and every day. Amen. Well, uh, Lauren Jackson is one of Australia's most well-known basketballers. She was born into a family of basketball players and began playing at a very young age. Uh, at just 16, she qualified for the Australian women's side, going on to compete in four Olympic Games and playing in the women's NBA. So to say that basketball was her life is perhaps an understatement. So when she retired from the sport a couple of years ago now, uh, fairly prematurely because of ongoing injury, the words that she said at the press conference announcing her retirement perhaps came as little surprise to those who had followed her career. This is what she said. To say goodbye to my love, what was my life, my identity, this hurts. Her work for her was her life, her identity. Now I think that's a remarkable statement, uh, remarkable in its honesty, because Jackson uh, taps into something there that I think is very true of many people and their work today. Uh, she has the honesty to admit something that perhaps many don't have the eyes to see or the honesty themselves to admit. And that is the way in which we live and work in a time when I am what I do. When our identity and our corresponding value or worth, perhaps in, in our own eyes or in the eyes of those around us, is very much tied up with what we do or what we fail to do. As I mentioned a moment ago, I want to consider what I think is an important pastoral issue as we minister to people who are in the workplace. And that is the way that our identity is very often tied with our work. Uh, you see this connection when you meet someone for the first time. You think about the first couple of things you say to someone when you meet them. What is your name? Often followed by, well, what do you do? And you notice how people respond. They don't say, I work as a lawyer, but I am a lawyer. It's an I am statement. And what they do often uh, establishes in our minds something of their value, their worth, their, their dignity perhaps. I used to work as a journalist, and I can assure you I get a very different response from people these days when I tell them what I now do for work. Um, uh, people respond differently to me, speak to me differently, because of what I do. Now this I uh, am what I do feature of our society, uh, you may be aware, is a, is, a, is a relatively new feature, and it's not necessarily uh, global either. Rather, it is a distinctive hallmark of societies like ours that have been very much shaped by Western individualism. There's a philosopher by the name of uh, Luke Ferry who describes individualism like this. He says, it's thinking of yourself as an end in myself. So who I am begins and ends with me. I shape my destiny. I make who I am. So whereas uh, previous generations and still many parts of the world today... People might think about their self in relation to others, a more corporate identity, a more corporate way of thinking about themselves. In Western individualism, I uh, shape my identity. My value and worth is very much uh, shaped and formed by what I achieve and accomplish. And so in that context, in a city like Melbourne, 
Work for many people becomes the source of their identity. I am what I do. Now, this is great news if your work is going well for you. But if work fails or when work fails, it can be a crushing burden to many people if their value and worth has been tied with what they do. A burden which tragically crushes many in our culture today. I wonder if you're familiar with uh, the film The Company Men, a few years old now, uh, but in it uh, it tells the story of a number of senior executives who are, who are made redundant, one of them by the name of Phil. And Phil reflects on his uh, redundancy at one point in the film and he says, you know the worst part? The world didn't stop. The newspaper still came out every morning. The automatic sprinkler still shut off at six. Jeff next door still washes his car every Sunday. My life ended and nobody noticed. And in this film, so overcome with this loss of identity, Phil takes his own life. And yet... This uh, uh, tragedy which is played out here on the big screen uh, is not something which is just being played out on the big screen. This is art imitating life. In Australia today, there is a tragic statistical connection between disappointment around work and suicide. See, when work becomes the, the source of my value and worth, when it disappoints us, that can be a crushing blow for many people. But it can, be, it can be crushing in uh, other uh, smaller but still debilitating ways as well. I recall receiving an email from a woman a number of years ago who she'd been sick for a number of uh, months and had been unable to work very productively for a while. And in the email, she had the words, I'm useless. That was how she defined herself, because she couldn't do However, on on the flip side, if if our work goes well for us, then if you're in this I am what I do way of thinking, then that only leads to pride. See, if I am an end in myself, then any success that I enjoy through my work is is mine alone uh, to enjoy. But of course, pride will bring with it its own set of problems, as we know. If not now, then, then inevitably. Timothy Keller sums up these two-pronged ways that identity and attaching it to our work can go wrong. He says, when work is your identity, uh, success goes to your head and failure goes to your heart. See, I am what I do is ultimately a devastating way to live. Just briefly, I mentioned a moment ago that this I am what I do uh, phenomenon is is very much a feature of cultures like ours, shaped by Western uh, individualism. But what about cultures that are shaped by more corporate values? I'm thinking perhaps more Asian cultures. Is that the solution to this kind of identity problem? Uh, There's a recent book by a journalist called Will Storr called Selfie. The subtitle is How We Became So Self-Obsessed and What It's Doing to Us. It's an excellent read. Uh, And in it, he traces the roots of Western individualism and also the more corporate view of self in Asian cultures. And in it, he summarises that the Asian self melts at the edges into the selves that surround it. So when it comes to work, it's not uncommon in Asian cultures to identify yourself with the corporation that you work for. So Will tells the story of meeting someone in Japan who introduces himself not as David, but Sony's David. But you see, this more corporate way of viewing self is not the solution for us either. The suicide rates in Southeast Asia are devastatingly high. Why? 
Well, because if you fail the group in an Asian culture, then you are a failure. So Storr writes in that book, the idea is that by one individual taking his or her life, honour is restored to the group. A CEO taking their life makes sense to the Japanese. Western individualism is not the solution. The more corporate view of self in Asian cultures is not the solution either. It is only the gospel that can heal our broken identity and replace this brokenness with beauty. And the way the gospel does that is not start starting with your identity or my identity, but by starting with Jesus' identity. One of the most foundational truths of the Christian faith is that those who are in Christ are somehow caught up in his identity. His status is our status. His righteousness is our righteousness. His beauty is our beauty. Understanding your identity and my identity starts with understanding his identity. In many ways, what we're considering this morning is an outworking of uh, one of the application or implications of what Steph really helpfully uh, showed us last Thursday in chapel. The idea of being in Christ. Uh, In in many ways, this is just one of the implications or, or application of that truth. Our identity, understanding our identity, starts with understanding his. And one of the sharpest statements about the identity of Jesus is found at his baptism, which was just read for us a moment ago. Just as an aside, one of those fascinating passages in the Bible, a few of them, where all three uh, persons of the Trinity are present. But it gives us a crystal clear insight into how the Father views the Son, doesn't it? Matthew describes it like this in his account. Coming up out of the water, the Spirit descends on the Son, and then the voice of the Father comes from heaven. This is my Son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. When the Father looks upon the Son, this is his verdict. Love and delight. Love and pleasure. And here's the extraordinary life-changing truth of Scripture, isn't it? That the father's assessment of the son is his assessment of you who are in Christ. Love and pleasure. Not because of what we do. Not because of anything that we have achieved or accomplished. They are not the source of our identity. Thankfully, because our lives are also marred by sin and failure and selfishness. No. It is a status that is conferred upon us, conferred upon those in Christ. A beautiful identity. This is my son. This is my daughter whom I love. With them I am well pleased. Now the Apostle Paul picks up this idea uh, in a number of places and and he develops it further in the way that this beautiful life, this identity that we have overflows into how we live. Uh, Colossians 3, the first few verses of that chapter, is a good example of this. The opening verses of Colossians 3 contain uh, multiple references to our identity. For example, verse 1, since then you've been raised with Christ. Verse 3, your life is hidden with Christ in God. Or verse 10, you have a new self. Those are all statements of identity. But you see what is gathered around all of those statements of identity? The, The kind of life that overflows out of that status, out of that identity. A life that is characterised by the death of things like lust, greed, anger, lying, 
Uh, Instead, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. This is the kind of life, the beautiful life, that overflows from that identity. It's the kind of life that overflows from the one who is living out of the confidence that I am God's son, I am God's daughter, with me he is well pleased. Now, do you see the revolutionary change that that brings to how we view ourselves and our work? See, with a, with a, a sure confidence of my status, no longer is work the source of my identity, but it's the expression of my identity. See, work becomes an arena in which we express this new identity that we have from source to expression. Now, there may be a potential concern that that some may have around that language of expressing. You know, expressing yourself, being true to yourself is a philosophy that is very popular today, isn't it? Uh, Which is a terrible philosophy if your true self is characterised by sin and selfishness. But what if your true self is now bound up with Christ and empowered by the Spirit? Then being true to that self is good news not just for you, but for those who are around you. Let me unpack just one uh, application or implication of this uh, and its relevance to, to work, and that is freedom. I mentioned a moment ago that uh, my background was radio journalism and uh, each year our industry had a, an annual awards night where we would recognise and praise the the best in that industry. And uh, there would be three people shortlisted uh, to receive an award that evening. And right from the very start of my career, I would submit submit an entry each year into my specific category, hoping that I would be one of those three people shortlisted from around Australia for this award. I I wanted to win that award so badly... (laughs) daydreaming about uh, having the applause and the approval of uh, my peers in that industry. And each year I missed out. And sometimes that would be a real crushing blow to my my self-esteem, my confidence. Why can't I be good enough? And so I put my head down and I would work harder and harder and harder, pushing myself to the limit, very much driven by wanting the approval of my peers. It's a burdensome way to live, the kind of burdensome way of living I mentioned a few moments ago. Now, it would be uh, disingenuous of me to speak about that as only being a, a, a wrestle in the past tense. And I suspect that I'm not the only one uh, in this room who knows something of that wrestle. You know what it would look like in your particular context to have the applause and the approval of your peers. And you know, I don't think Christian ministry is immune from this temptation at all. In fact, in my experience, sometimes it can be even worse. (laughs) But so here is the, the, the glorious freedom that the gospel will bring. Freedom from the burden of that kind of pursuit. Because in Christ, you already have a applause and approval, maybe not from colleagues, but from Creator. This is my child whom I love, with them I am well pleased. Do you see how that is freedom? 
to live out of that. Freedom from the bondage of chasing the applause and the approval of others. Because in Christ you already have this beautiful identity and you live out of the confidence of that. That's the kind of freedom which... uh, characterized a pair of uh, US synchronized divers at the 2016 Rio Olympics. You might remember uh, Americans uh, David Boudier and Stuart Johnson who won silver in their event. But their interview after the event really captured the world's attention. And they were asked by a reporter how they handled the, the enormous pressure going into this Olympic event. And Boudier replied, when I think I'm defined by my diving... And you can just insert your own work in that. When I think I'm defined by my diving, my mind goes crazy. But we both know that our identity is in Christ. And then his diving partner still added this. The fact that going into this event, I knew my identity was in Christ gave me peace. Here is a secure identity that overflows in a beautiful life. And you know what, just maybe the freedom from needing to prove ourselves may just mean we end up doing better work in the long run anyway. Friends, that is a truth that we need to preach to ourselves. But it is a truth that we need to preach to people in our churches. They need to hear that. And it's a truth that a burdened working world needs to hear as well too. Which is why, as I mentioned a moment ago at the beginning, that when we minister to the people in our churches in perhaps this particular space and help them have the confidence to live out of their identity in Christ, that's the kind of thing that's going to be unmissable to their colleagues in the workplace and be a powerful witness of the difference that the gospel has made in their life for good. This is what we need to preach to them, that in Christ, this is your status. This is my child whom I love. With them I am well pleased. And living out of the freedom of that. Amen. Amen.